<laughs> yes. You are now listening to the sounds of Sports Reports is ordered. Right here. 2-5. Over in Jersey, you got the one and only Mr. Logical. You're... Today is August 14th, and we're going to talk to you about the NFC West. How will the West be won? You know, you can't have preseason without some takes. Mr. Logical has given it to me that he's got the takes. So we're going to get into this preseason thing, see what we can figure out and figure out why Russell Wilson still suck. I mean, still looks bad. You know, he's, he's going to get better, but, he's, but he just doesn't look right right now. But Mr. Logical. Here. Football is back. Back, baby. Don't call me on Sunday. Don't call me on <laughs> Thursday. I'm not picking nobody up from the airport on Mondays. I'm, I'm in the house. Unless the Falcons lose, you got me. The Falcons lose at, at the 4 o'clock. That one o'clock game they lose, you got me for the rest of the day. I'm not watching no football. Yo, because they always they always break my heart when they lose. So it's like I'm yelling at the TV. That was kind of part of the reason I like we started doing the podcast. I'm like, listen, how am I sitting on my couch yelling about what you should do as a coach <laughs> and you don't do it? And I was like, if you just would have called the timeout, I got people to the sideline and they figured out, hey. Yo, can we get this yard? We get this yard, we in the game. I'm just like, you know what? Might as well talk about this with a camera in my face. See, I was mad because I was like, um, you know, checking everything out, watching the lay of the land. And, you know, Sam Howell threw a nice pass to Jahan Dotson that he like bobbled. He caught it, you know, ran it in for the touchdown and everything, but he bobbled it a little bit. And my whole takeaway, instead of being like, touchdown, I was like, that's why I be enemy yelling at y'all now. <laughs> you know, like I was, I was just like, you know, catch the ball the first time. I was watching uh, Colin Cowherd a little earlier, and he had a guy like a beat reporter who was at the practice where like the report came out afterwards that he was like yelling. And the guy was like, listen, I was at this practice for two days. He was yelling for a reason. <laughs> I mean, I'm he just was, saying, like, yelling. Like, he was like, yo, run the extra 20 yards on you. Like, you know, you catch a little route and you run guys jog it out. He's like, run the whole 20. Like, Go through the whole thing, like, you know, real game motion. I think he just was yelling at the everyone. You know, some sometimes, like, you know, we've seen hard knocks. We've seen, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff. And some of these veterans, they talk about it. Like, Ray Lewis will talk about us. I don't do certain things in practice. They said Ray Lewis is out there in flip-flops in a live drill just to get the feeling and the layout of how the play was going to look. But he wasn't moving because he's just standing there in flip flops. Everybody <laughs> else in pass. He just was like, "All right, cool, be here. All right, cool, y'all run it." And then they set up the next play. He would get in his spot in his flip flops. He just kind of look around like, "All right, Ben Roethlisberger didn't practice like you know his last couple of years." So you get some guys in there. You know they got four, five, six years in the league. They figured they called themselves on the upper echelon veteran. And he's just, I'm like, "Yo, run that extra twenty yards." And he's like, "What?" Well, you know, I, I had to tell an airman one time, I'm not proud of myself, but, you know, we are human. And, you know, I told him, I said, look, when Steve Kerr is late to practice, he going to run some laps. When Michael Jordan late to practice, 
I'm gonna make sure the family okay. I'm gonna make sure his car is like <laughs> make sure you know the engine is running, like all that good stuff like that. So I say that to say one of the knocks on Randy Moss was, you know, hey, you can always tell if the play ain't going to him because like he half asses it or he don't even appear to block or anything. And I'm like, you know what? He could do that. He's Randy Moss, but Paris Campbell can't do that. Can't do it. Can't do Kirk it. Harvey can't do that. Out there and push somebody. Christian Kirk can't do that. What was it? Uh, the 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 Bell South back in the day. You better reach out and touch someone. Oh, you know, it, I, I remember <laughs> the Jimmy Johnson, Emmitt Smith one. It was like, what do you do if the four string running back falls asleep in the meeting? Like we cut him. What happens if Emmitt Smith falls asleep? We nudge him. Yeah, nudge him. You know, say you know, say ask that man if he need a drink. You know, <laughs> that's you, just you the way it break. is. That's just the you, way you it need is. a break from this. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's just how the human brain works. Talent versus tolerance, baby. Talent versus tolerance. Yes. So, continuing our series of NFL division breakdowns brings us to the NFC West, where the San Francisco 49ers are attempting to play positionless football. You know, you know, we got the positionless basketball in the NBA. So you got McCaffrey lining up wherever he want, Debo line up wherever he want. So the 49ers, you know, they trying to do this thing. So, you know, what's the word, man? They're gonna win this division. Are they going to the NFC championship game? Are you you saying they're going back to the to the Super Bowl? What are they doing? All I'm saying is this. We talk about a lot of sports and we talk about front office moves player transactions, player movements, reaches in the drafts, busts in the draft, steals of the draft, all that good stuff. Trey Lance, the fact that they gave up that many picks to move up to three to get Trey Lance when Justin Fields slipped to 13 when they could have got him at 12. Trey Lance, or Justin Fields does what San Francisco wants Trey Lance to do. So even from that draft evaluation process, that was my statement the whole time. It's like, why are you moving up to get Trey Lance when you have Justin Fields, who was a top quarterback out of high school? He went to Georgia. He went to Ohio State. He went to a national championship game. Yeah, he ran into this buzzsaw called Alabama. But you saw the way he threw the ball there. You saw the way he ran. You saw the way he was a team captain, a transfer student coming in as a team captain. It's like, okay, let's look at that. Trey Lance didn't play football for like a year when they drafted him. I was like, why are you making these moves? Luckily, they made other good defensive moves and they kept Jimmy Garoppolo because like nobody else really wanted him. But we're gonna that's gonna be like a theme of the show. Like people talking about, like, you know, can your guy play like Jimmy Garoppolo? You can win games. And that's what they had. They had Jimmy Garoppolo, so they were allowed to fall back on that. And then Brock Purdy just happened to be a flash in the pan. They are gonna they're getting bailed out by the fact that the offense has so many playmakers that just do different things on the field. George Kittle, his ability to – you can't put a linebacker on him. you got to put a safety on him because if you put a linebacker on him, he's going to kill him. And if you don't put a good cover safety on him, he's going to kill him. Brandon Ayuk is probably one of the best route runners in the league. Like, There's plenty of highlights of him just having DBs falling over the place. And Debo Samuel is literally Debo. Like the, I mean, his, his, his acumen is in his name. Christian McCaffrey just – I mean, he's a cheat code. So you have so many weapons, and then the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan offensive scheme, get the ball to playmakers quick. It's probably the 
the simplest scheme, and I think it works. The problem is, you know, we're going to get into the Trey Lance conversation later, but having Brock Purdy, if he's healthy, I think they could still win the division because they'll just do – you can't stop. You can't stop what they, what their offense does if they go quick. If they go with the way they like to run it, with use check out of the backfield and everything else, you can't stop it. So – that's that's my, my take on their offense and defense is just, I mean, if you ever seen Fred Warner make a tackle, like you see him run Joey Bosa over or Nick Bosa, just try to make a tackle. It was like, yeah, he's different. Their whole <laughs> line, the whole linebacker core is like that. So it's just, I don't know if they have enough to like win the NFC, but the NFC West, I think, I think they have, I think they're a couple of games up at the end of the season. And so I think that the team up north has been making some moves to challenge San Francisco. I'm still not necessarily sure if their offense can score on San Francisco consistently. But at the same time, I don't know if anybody's offense can score on San Francisco consistently. (laughs) But um, I'm talking about the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, So, you know... They went out and they addressed some things that I felt like they needed to address. So, like, for example, you know, they went out and got Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State to come take over the slot duties. Now, with that being said, you know, they had Tyler Lockett and they already had DJ Metcalf. So maybe you're thinking they didn't necessarily need another receiver. But I just think that him in the slot opens up even more for Lockett. You know, especially as he comes along, because I the one hang up that I have with Seattle is can I trust Geno Smith to do what he did again? You know, like I felt like yeah. John Starks from the 30 for 30. I can't believe this dude just did this. You know, what I'm saying <laughs> like, you know, so so Geno Smith is obviously the X factor here. Seattle, I feel like we come into every year with questions about their offensive line because they do weird things with their offensive line. You know, but I also like, like not make it better. Yeah. Yeah. Weird yeah, yeah. 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 But they only get like a good, the best player available when they can. You know, it's like, yo, we're going to take this back up and we're going to trust the process that in four years, he's going to be one of the good. best linemen yeah. in the league. Yeah. And then they went and got Zach Charbonnet, you know, from UCLA, formerly of Michigan fame, who I think offsets Kenneth Walker because Kenneth Walker is like, hand me the ball and I'm going to go hit some people as if I'm on defense. But now Charbonnet gives you the pass catcher out of the backfield that they were lacking, you know, because Rashad Penny could have been that, but he was never there. And now he's in Philly. Yeah. The first round. Yep. And now he's in Philly. So, you know, so I think Charbonnet is going to be an even better possible pickup this year. Not always, but for this season, he, he might even be better than what Jackson Smith and Jigba gives them because it just gives them that check down to look down to when Fred Warner is applying pressure or Bosa's coming off the edge. You know, and then defensively, they lost Cody Barton to my commanders. We, I've talked about that. They got Bobby Wagner back. Now, granted, he's probably not the same player that he was years ago, but he still got the brains. You know, he could be yeah. the architect of the defense. The he brain the makes IQ. you like they say. They say your brain that makes you like a half second faster in a football game. Like just knowing, like that ability, like you're like a half second to almost a second faster in your reaction time because you know where to be. Right. So like even if you're a little old, that's why like you know some of these older <clears> players, like you know, like 
I mean, granted, we get like legends like Tom Brady, but like a lot of these older guys like Brett Favre, he just had like he just knew, OK, I can get this ball into this window because I know where the defense is going to be because you just have years of these reps. You just see them because the defenses and stuff are not that different. And either the offenses, most of these guys, you know, like if you think about an offensive playbook, I mean, really, how many plays could it really be and how many plays do you keep week in and week out? Because you right. keep running to play week one through week four, and it's like it's not working. You're going to scrap it. So if you play a team in week nine and they know, like, okay, they stopped running this play because it doesn't work, and then you see that formation, like, okay, this play doesn't work and this is why it doesn't work, that's where he gives you because he'll put somebody like, yo, get here. And they'll mm-hmm. tap the defensive tackle, slide over the plays coming backside or whatever the case may be. So I, I think that that's a bonus. I like Jackson Smith and Jigma. You know, according to the Ohio State reports and a lot of the Ohio State fan base, they said he was the best wide receiver in the room for like the last three or four years to include Olave, to include Marvin Harrison Jr. It's like he was the guy. Like every, he said the whole wide receiver room looked at him like this dude is better than me. It's true. And I mean, he was hurt last year. You know, they could have probably used him in that Georgia game on that last drive. But, you know, like he was hurt last year. Shout out. You know, but uh, but but also, you know, uh, they got uh, Tariq Woolen, you know, rookie corner from last year, you know, going into year two. So hopefully he takes another step forward. But he had like six interceptions last year. He did. Yep, he did. And then they went and got a corner at number five from Illinois, Devin Witherspoon, you know, to add to. That's the big hitter. Yeah. Jamal Adams coming back at some point this season. They went and got Julian Love, the leading tackler from the Giants who I like a lot. And not only was he the leading tackler, he was the leading tackler by 28 tackles. You know what I mean? So you could argue that, you know, he was a safety. Maybe he's tackling too much because the defense wasn't that good. I don't know. But, you know, but we'll see. I like Julian Love, though. You may, so, you may, I think he's a box safety. He's one of those guys that comes Yeah, he's like a hybrid guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 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 so from that standpoint, you know, I think Seattle has what it takes to win the division. I think San Francisco's schedule – may be a little tough. I know they mostly play the same schedule because they're in the same division, but I'm big on how the games games line up. So, you know, for example, when I looked at Seattle, me and Mr. Logical talked about this before we came on, you know, Seattle just contradicted my last sentence because <laughs> weeks 12 through 15, they play San Francisco at Dallas at San Francisco and then Philly. So they could possibly lose all four of those. You know what I and mean? That, and that first seat, that first San Francisco game is after two games in Florida. So they play Jacksonville and Tampa Bay. San Francisco, you mean, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So San Francisco game, they play Jacksonville yeah. Yeah. and they play Tampa Bay. And then Tampa Bay games November 19th. That's a Sunday. Then they have to get to get back home and play. San Francisco on Thanksgiving. Right. So you got two weeks in Florida. So you probably, most West Coast teams stay. Like if you have an East Coast, you know, like, you know, teams from the East Coast go to California, they play the Rams and they play the 49ers. They'll just stay in California for the whole week and just play the next game. So more than likely, I'm guessing Seattle probably will stay in Florida and play those two games and then come home and not really come home because they got to prepare for a game on Thursday. That's a lot, especially if they let them slip. If you let that Tampa Bay game slip, and now you got this four game stretch, so that, that can really get into you. I don't know. Pete Carroll's not really known for like galvanizing his team late in the season. It's kind of like you know they kind of like a, the sledgehammer kind of team that Legion of Boom. Right. They just hit you hard. 
Right. It wasn't a lot of strategy to it. They just played cover. Yeah, and got away with a whole lot of pass interference. Just super aggressive. And it wasn't a lot of adjustments. We talked about let Russ cook and stuff like that. But yeah, like Seattle, like I know you're you're leaning. I think you're leaning Seattle. Oh, I'm definitely Uh, leaning Seattle. I'm leaning San Francisco just because, uh, like I said, Mr. Logical, I'm a simple. I just think that defense running the ball and above average quarterback play. Is a ten. That's a ten win season in NFL. NFL is difficult, but mm-hmm. most teams don't have all three of those consistently. Some teams have, like the Ravens, always had a good defense, but their offense, even with Lamar Jackson, wasn't like super dynamic. It was right. good. It was a good run game, but the overall offense wasn't super dynamic. Uh, if you had a team like you know in Tampa Bay, like they had James Winston, they had all those players: Devontae David, Devin White. Uh, they had they had defensive players. They were drafting well. They just had James Winston, who was like a turnover machine. So like that cost them. That would cost them games. So a team that could run the ball well, strong defense, above average quarterback play, and especially in a division where two teams could potentially just give you four wins. So 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 th- these are my three things that the division are going to come down to. Like th- these are the three questions that I have that are going to determine who wins this division. So one. How healthy is Brock Purdy's arm? Because if you got to play Sam Darnold or Trey Lance, I'm eliminating you just off a of GP. So that's that's first and foremost. Second of all, can McCaffrey stay healthy? You know, because we've all seen that he tends to miss some games. I don't want to project it because, you know, you hate to do that. But he just doesn't play full seasons a lot. What's, he what's my catchphrase? You, you know. What's, what's your a lot, of, lot of lot of soft tissue like, injuries. Like, yeah, soft tissue. There you go. A lot of soft tissue injuries for McCaffrey. Yeah. And then my third question is, which one of y'all gonna sweep the Rams? You know what I mean? That's the third question because I because I ended up both ten and seven. You know what I mean? But giving it to Seattle based off division record because they're both gonna sweep the Cardinals. You know, I figured they're gonna in my mind they're gonna split with each other. So which one of y'all can sweep the Rams? And that's gonna be the the delineate now it's usually factor. the 49ers. The 49ers are usually the ones that the, Ram the Rams. Yeah. And they all and, and, and you know they should have beat the Rams in that NFC championship game, but my man dropped the interception. Dropped you the know. softball interception. Yeah, but now the Rams have Stafford coming back. They have Cooper Cup coming back. You know, they don't got Odell Beckham coming back. They got Van Jefferson coming back. But then their defense. Ain't coming back. Jalen Ramsey's gone. You know, they were a bad defense to begin with, you know, coming out of last year. So, you know, for the Rams, I'm not concerned about them winning the division. Like, uh, you know, they were 28th and against the run last year, you know, 27th and giving up yards per carry. And this was a weird number. I don't know if it sounds as great as I thought it did when I first wrote it down, (laughs) but but 21.6 of the First percent of the first downs that the Rams gave up last year came off of the run. And you think, you know, like, okay, rushing numbers, whatever. They were 22nd in pass yards allowed too. you know, as far as, you know, stopping the pass. It's going to be another rough season contemplating retirement for McVeigh, Aaron Donald. And that was my other question about them. Is he going to take his ball and go home? Because he's already threatened it twice. Yeah, so I I think it's going to be a tough year because they didn't 
they didn't retool their team post Super Bowl. We all know that when a team wins the Super Bowl, guys either become highly paid free agents mm-hmm. or they become highly paid re-signees. Yeah. Or they become somewhat of a distraction to the point where you don't want to redo contracts or you redo somebody else's contract, a la Aaron Donald. And then now you don't have enough money to pay Jalen Ramsey. So you deal into Miami and you get some picks, but you haven't done well with those picks. I mean, but in the, was it the parade? They said F those picks. And all of a sudden now you're trading the way the picks. So I, I just think that the coach combo and the, 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 the upper management, the front office team philosophy, I don't think it's lining up because you're not going to be able to pay. They weren't able to pay their you know best player. They, I don't know how much money they had available to pay Von Miller. I know Buffalo gave him like $120 million. I don't know if they had that money in the bag, but not having these assets is like you had a good run. It's right. like going to Vegas. You got $2,000 in your bank account. And you go to Vegas, you fly in there from Thursday to Monday. And you had a ball Thursday and Friday. Now, Saturday, you're like, all right, we're going out, but you, we're not buying bottles tonight because right, I'm already, right, right. already 1100 into my 2000 Yeah, tonight, tonight we're going to have a Heineken. Got, yeah, we, we still <laughs> got to make it to Monday. So I think that's where Los Angeles is right now. Like, yo, yeah. we are, we, we got like $900 left. We still got three nights of partying. We had, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think they're at that point where it's like, it could be a rough season on top of the fact that you have a quarterback. Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback. But he's not known for being just this dynamic game changer. He's just he's always had the cannon. He's had a pretty decent team around him, even those years in Detroit. But he'll give you some chances, like as he'll, far as the defense. He'll give you some de- chances. Yeah, he gonna he gonna Brett Favre you two in your chest. You know, like he, I said, he, he he's gonna be hard. He threw the pick that should have been against San Francisco. We, we remember the Tampa playoff game before that, where he hit Cooper Cup. So it's like feast of famine a lot of times with him, you know, as I like to call it, Sammy Sosa syndrome, you know, he's going to be a home run strikeout. Yeah. So it's going to be tough. And like I said, the fact that you have Stafford, who is, he's, he's a retirement eligible. I think he's had a retirement eligible career. Like he's like, all right, I got the chip. I have the numbers. I have the claim, the name. Yeah, some people mistakenly say he's a Hall of Famer, but you know Some people are prematurely he might be. You know what I mean? He might be. I don't think he is, but he might be. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have that topic, you know. You know what I mean? But because somebody's going to have to, somebody's going to try to say he's going to get in, but. But but you know, here you go, right? Shout out to Woody Page from Around the Horn. You gotta look at the schedule! So (laughs) So as I look at this, they start out at Seattle. San Francisco week two at Cincinnati week three. So if that wasn't tough enough, you come down to October 22nd, they go Steelers at Cowboys. And then if you want to throw at Lambeau in there, cause it's Lambeau and then Seattle again, and then you come down to the last three games of the season, they're playing the saints who could be playing for the division, you know, at the Giants, who could be playing for a playoff spot, for a wild card spot, and then they close at San Francisco, who, if my prediction is correct, is going to be fighting for the division with Seattle. So, like, just looking at th- those stretches right there, you're possibly looking at zero and three to start the season. You know, one and two at best, 
I'll let you decide which one of those they're going to win. Uh, the Pittsburgh Cowboy thing, that could be an 0-2 stretch. You know, and then this last stretch that I just pointed out, maybe they clip the Giants. Maybe they clip the Saints. Maybe they can go two and one in that stretch, but it's hard. Yeah, but they, 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 one, one flex they do have is their Philadelphia Cardinals, the Philly, Arizona, Pittsburgh, three weeks. That's three home games. Right. October right. 8th, 15th, and 27th. And, then, and they got so Indianapolis. Those are two Philly. cold weather teams, and you get them in, you get them at home in October versus like if that, if those games were November 8th and, you know, you're in Pennsylvania, November, you know, it could be 25 degrees, you know, one of those off days. So right. having those three games at home, at least you have that at yeah, home. Yeah, and then you got Indianapolis day. before that in the Dome. So in the you know Dome, I mean? so you rookie could, quarterback, rookie head coach. So maybe I mean, if everything breaks right, you could go three and one in that stretch. I don't think they're beating Philly, but maybe you could go three and one in that stretch. And who knows? You know, Philly traveling, Philly's got to lose somewhere. They're not going to go 19-0 or anything like that. So, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, I ended up on – uh, seven and ten, you know, uh, with the Rams, you know, I just don't think that their defense is equipped, you know, to stop anybody. Like Aaron Donald's going to get his pressure, but He's outside get of that, teams and checked and chipped by the running back. But without Jalen Ramsey in the back, you know what I mean? Like I just think that they lost a lot on defense. They lost Bobby Wagner, who we just talked about, back to Seattle. So you know, I just don't think that the Rams. Are gonna stop anybody? Like we forget the the year that uh they played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You know we forget they had that game on Monday night against Kansas City, <laughs> the fifty one to fifty four game. Yeah, they they had that game. Yeah, you know what I mean? So was, so so that outside was up of there Aaron, with that Texas USC Rose Bowl for like greatest games I've watched. Yeah. So outside of Aaron Donald, you know what I mean? You could argue, and I know Jalen Ramsey is good, slightly overrated. You know, coming from a Florida State fan, but slightly overrated. You know, I, but like ranked third overall on the of quarter cornerbacks last year. Like, I think he's focus. I think I think that he's one of those dudes that gets away with the Legion of Boom stuff. Like, he's allowed to be a little extra physical than most corners are allowed to be. And I think that helps him out because if you remember that playoff game that I've referenced, we saw what Mike Adams did to him. You know, or uh, Mike Evans. We saw what Mike yeah. Evans did to him. But, you know, neither here nor there. Point being, you know, Aaron Donald is there and a whole lot of nobody else. You know, and then I would like to plea with the Arizona Cardinals. Don't you put Kyler Murray on that field this year. Like, I'm not telling you to tank. I'm not telling you to tank. But even with Kyler Murray, you're probably 5-12 and 12 at best. You know, D-Hop's gone. You know, uh, Murphy's gone on defense. So, you know, you aren't a very good team to begin with. You're breaking in a new coach that's a defensive coach anyway because they got Jonathan Gannon from Philly. So, you know, you probably need a year for him and Kyler to just have a conversation and figure out what their plan is, you know. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention earlier, um, so my apologies, I forgot to mention. Another positive for San Francisco that I do like for them is I know a lot of people probably want to make a big deal out of D'Amico Ryans being gone, but you know who their defensive coordinator is now? Who? Steve Wilkes. So, so, so ain't much of a downgrade there, you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think the Miko Ryan's is, a, I think they're different coordinators. I think the 49ers are just, they're just this, this, 
right now, even with the Trey Lance deal from a few years back, they still look like the smartest. Yeah. They look like they made the smartest move in the division because ultimately, you know, the football schedule and the season is all set up for simply win your division. Having a number one seed is nice, but two, you don't get a buy. So if you're not the number one seed, you're fine because two through seven are playing on that first weekend in the playoffs anyway. So being two, three, four, five, six, or seven, you just need to be ready to play. So winning your division is probably the easiest way to, you know, obviously get one, two, three, or four. But that's that's your main focus. So I think they keep putting themselves in a position where they can win their division. They are equipped to beat the teams in their division. And with Arizona, you talked about don't put Kyler Murray on the field. We already seen how teams are willing to kind of just bypass contract extensions and things of that nature. I think Arizona has a chance or opportunity, I don't know what words you want to use, a possibility to be this 2-15, and 3-14 team number one pick. Caleb Williams or Drake May out of North Carolina staring you in the face at one, two, or you know, one or two. You might be in a position where Gannon may not, he may have that Nathaniel Hackett where he might not be a good coach. It might be a situation where he was a defensive coordinator of probably one of the most stacked defensive teams in NFC last year in the Philadelphia Eagles. And every play you call looks good when you have Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, Darius <laughs> Slade, James Bradbury. Like, when you have all these guys, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's just go. And the fans go still wanted all him out, out of blitz. there. The fans yeah. still all, wanted him out of there. All out blitz. Oh, look, look what a great call. Of course, it's a great call. Yeah, they had, had Gardner back two, there. Two lockdown corners. Your nickel corner was a lockdown corner. It's like, yeah, it looks great. So I'm always weary of a guy who gets a job off of essentially off the backs of, like, an elite defense. We saw it with Staley going to, to the Chargers. We'll talk about the AFC West later. He had that Super Bowl caliber Los Angeles Rams defense, and now we're wondering why he can't win 11 games in at the other, you know, team in that same building. So I think that's one thing. So you might be in a situation where you are – having conversation with Kyler Murray and his agent throughout the season about, you know, does he want to go back and play for a team in Texas or does he want to go play for somebody else? What team would that be? (laughs) Houston might do something crazy. I know Dak's contract is kind of crazy. They might want to move off of him if they don't go 12 and five and win the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's what I was trying to get you to say. (laughs) You you never know. Like, like load the hot take cannon. I mean, listen, if, if it works out, just remember August 14th, I said it. But, I mean, just I just don't know if – I don't know if Kyler's done enough to say he's the guy anyway. And he had a new coach, new GM. They didn't draft him. And he's already kind of aloof with the people who drafted him and paid him. Right. So right. how was he going to be with the people who replaced those people when everyone knows they can go 0-17 and no one would think differently. No one would be like, you know what? We really thought we had a shot this year. So I don't know if they're going to get run off, but if we could go and get the first overall pick, and if Caleb Williams puts in another Heisman, you know, Heisman Trophy season, USC move into, you know, the Big Ten and, and making those kind of moves. So it's like, you never know. So Arizona can 
can be terrible and and you know it, it yeah, won't be hurt fine. their future if yeah. it weren't their future. They're gonna give away some wins, basically anybody who comes through there and plays them. So, so with them, like I said, two and fifteen, three and fourteen is not out of the realm of possibility. They, I don't think they have any defensive prowess at all. Like I don't, I don't think they have any weaponry anywhere. They might be able to beat the. Well, they still got Arizona, Baker. Arizona State. They, they still got Baker, you know, on defense. But you know, yeah, it's really slim. You know, yeah, I like, he's too far. He's too far like, from the ball. Like you can just throw it away from him. I like Rondale more on offense, so maybe him and Colt McCoy will have some kind of rapport. <laughs> it's gonna be it's tough, like I said, and we'll talk about the preseason like that. The the, the drop off from the starting quarterback and the starting offensive line to the backup offensive line and backup quarterback, it's it's like night and day. See, and that was where I don't want to overreact because as I was going back and looking at this. You know, we'll, like like you said, we'll get into the. I guess we can go ahead and transition because I ain't got much else on the Cardinals. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like you know, San Francisco's offensive line. It was one preseason game, so I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But you know, their offensive line didn't look that great. You know, um, you know. But beyond that, I'm gonna tee you up real quick because I know you want to get to it. So you know, like. Cool out with the Trey Lance thing, you know, like I saw this dude and the, all my takeaway from Trey Lance the other day was black must be his favorite color because he tried to throw the ball to the Raiders over and Man. over again. I love Vegas, but he was really trying to give out souvenirs. It was the thing that that I take from Trey Lance. I'm pretty sure people are going to like don't overreact. There's some stuff you could take away from a preseason game. Like that's why they have them. So coaches are looking at like, who knows the play? Who knows where to be? Uh, special teams, who's hustling? Who is making the blocks? You know, can your kicker kick? Do you have a long snapper? Or you, you have a battle for this position. So there's takeaways. People can't be like, oh, don't read too much into it. It's the reason they're playing. Like, there's an evaluation process that's going into it. Yes, it is a glorified tryout, and then it's a glorified test piece. I saw a lot of teams going for it on fourth and six and fourth and 11 with their They're just, they're just going to have stream. to play him against some ones. It just they're the trade with Trey Lance. It's the same thing I said with uh, Justin Fields. Whatever the read is, you got to trust it and let the ball go, because you're not doing yourself any favors by holding on to the ball because you don't have that much time. If you roll out, like if you got if you have a play where you roll out to the right, you're strong because you're right-handed, you're athletic, and you get you know you get a deep roll out. Maybe a guard and a tackle pull, and you got a couple extra blockers, and you have like a deep over route or like a go route or something underneath, and you can kind of look, 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 and then throw. You got it. But when you got a two, you got a three, five, seven, like five step drop, you don't you don't have pump fake options. You got to hit your first read, and it was like he pumped it, and then try to come like you can't. It's it. You if you don't hit that first read when you're already that far in your drop, just take off. You don't have enough time to get to your second and third read. If you've already pumped, if you looked and it wasn't there and then you transition, you transition, like, yeah, you could get through all three in those four seconds. But if you pump, like if you're pumping, then you got to turn again, like that defensive tackle is going to be in your lap. And that's yeah, what just, it was. Yeah. And he just was like, it just looked like he was uncomfortable with just not necessarily the play calls, but just the position. Like you can watch. Like I watched the like the third string quarterback from Kansas City. I can't remember his name, but he had a play that kind of looked like Mahomes. He scrambled a little bit, made a guy miss, and then threw like a dart to a tight end that was running across the back of the line. 
Mahomes and Kelsey were going crazy on the sideline. But even in that scramble, he looked like, okay, this one going with the ball. The guy uh, out of Jacksonville that, you know, broke out of like a couple of sacks and had his head up when the dude was around his waist and threw the touchdown pass. Even though he's a third-string quarterback, you can tell that he was in the pocket playing quarterback, whereas Trey Lance is in the pocket as an athlete. He's not a quarterback. Like, even that throw that got was supposed to be intercepted that got tipped in the air and caught by the tight end, the dude he was throwing the ball to was covered. Like, that, I don't, like, I'm pretty sure that other tight end was probably open on the inside, and he's trying to throw it to the back. It's like, you rolled and stopped and tried to throw it back to the right. Like, you're rolling to the left. The play wasn't for you to try to throw it in the middle of the field. Like, no one rolls and then throws it back to the middle of the field. So it's like, why are you making those kind of plays? And then Sam Darnold, like, I, I, don't, I don't really – I don't want to bash it because, like, you know, these guys are NFL. No, 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 no. Like, mental health is a real thing, and I take it easy on Sam Darnold since he see ghost. See ghost. Yeah, I take – He should have never said that. No he slander. Should've, he should have said, hey, those guys are really moving well. Like, those guys are really getting the spots. He should have said something else with a microphone near you. Not like – that's worse – he should have just said, hey, bench me, coach. I can't. Hey, no, I mean, no disrespect. no disrespect to the Patriots defense. But if you're going to see ghosts, can it at least be Aaron Donald or Chris Jones or something? Nah, like the Patriots <laughs> defense, defense is legit. Like It, it is, legit. but I'm just saying. You know, it, even last year it was like legit. But with Trey Lance, I think it's a matter of he might not be the guy and – the, the the draft picks that you gave up to move up to get them, it hasn't hurt you. Like you've been uh, you know, a top tier teams, teams have still been picking. You went to the NFC championship last year, you went the season before with Jimmy Garoppolo, you went to the Super Bowl before. Like, so there are they are perennial playoff team and you make deep runs. Yes, you want to win, you want to win it all. I get that. But you might need to just go ahead and pull the plug on Trey Lance because if I'm starting Brock Purdy. I'm have Sam Darnold as a backup just because he has games. He's played 50 or 60 games. So that in and of itself, I know he'll slide in the pocket. He might not make all the great throws, but I know he'll do, he'll slide, he'll hit the check down. You know, he might not go out there and light up 320 yards, two, three touchdowns a week. But if I can keep Purdy upright, if the elbow, the UCL, whatever injury he had, that surgery and everything's copacetic, then I'd rather keep saying Darnold as a backup because what am I doing with a rookie or essentially a third-year player that I have to develop while I have a second-year starter? Like, that? that's like you can't do both. Right. Like, you can have your rookie starter and your veteran backup, but at that point, there's nothing you could do. I ain't got no, I ain't got enough time. I don't have, like, you don't have, you don't have the room. You don't have the room to make Trey Lance better during the season when you have a second year guy that you have to see, can he play a game on the East coast? Cause he only played the one and he got injured. How, how does he, how was he going to play in the stretch here? Let, let's, let's check out, you know, San Francisco schedule. All right. So they got a stretch where they're at the Steelers at the Rams home for the giants home for Cardinals home for the Cowboys at the Browns. So last year he played, pretty much all of his games in California, one in Nevada, mm-hmm. and then the one game in Pennsylvania. So it was like, do you really know, you know, can can this guy play in a different kind of weather? Can he play in this cold East Coast weather? So you got a game at 
I mean, to be fair, he did play his college in Ames, Iowa. True, but like, can you play with NFL speed? Can right. you throw that ball in the right. cold in Washington on December 17th? Right. <laughs> it's going to be cold in that harbor. Like, there's nothing but water out here. So it's going to be nice and cold when he you know, comes and plays that game. So having those questions with Brock Purdy, you can't also have those questions with Trey Lance. So that's one preseason takeaway. Another thing is, like, we talk about the – you did the AFC West preview. You talk about Denver. I watched them. I don't know if that relationship between Sean Payton and his ego and Russell Wilson and his ego, I don't know if the building is big enough. And one guy is a $20 million coach, and his contract's guaranteed. So Russell Wilson has this contract extension. I think he's like somewhere like 255. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure there's some wiggle room where he doesn't get the whole 255. Like they can move off of him. He probably got like 130, 140 guarantee, something like that, maybe so in that range. I think you can move off of him because if you get rid of Sean Payton, you're still cutting that check. John Gruden, shout out. And if you're getting 20 million a year, he's going right back to Fox and getting his Fox check and his Condoleezza Rice checks. I think she's part of the Denver ownership group. So, so like, you know, I, so I don't, I don't know if that marriage is going to work. Like I said, I just, I just stick to egos because his ego made him say what he said about the front office and Daniel Hackett. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to say that. He didn't have to say it was the worst coaching job ever. Like it just, it wasn't necessary. It was I mean, he definitely that made me, he definitely made me more interested in that Denver Jets matchup. You know that that epic matchup. You know, epic but match. but you know, I know you think that you know what I'm gonna say, but I promise you, you don't know what I'm gonna say. If it's something positive, I don't believe it. So the Patriots need to go on and stop playing and get Bailey Zappi up in there. You know, uh, 12 for 14, I know it's preseason, but he just seems to have this thing where he comes into the game and the team reacts. Mike goes to Western Kentucky University, yo. That's why you don't know what I'm I'm about to say. So you got to be patient. So when Bailey Zappi comes into the game, and we saw it Monday night against the Bears last year, when he comes into the game, he just provides a certain spark. Like he's got that Ginobili to him. He's not going to shoot you (laughs) up. He's not going to Steph Curry this thing. He's not going to defend you up. But he just brings something. But this is the part that he didn't know I was going to say. But you could do that with Malik Cunningham and – Add some running touch to your offense. So the so the Patriots got Malik Cunningham from Louisville, who threw for more yards than Lamar Jackson at Louisville and all that stuff like that. But he's playing receiver. And he's made some electrifying plays, but he is a quarterback. So I think, you know, we already heard the rumors about Mac Jones and Belichick not believing in Matt Jones. I don't believe in Matt Jones. The only person that believe in Matt Jones is Kyle Shanahan. So, you know, like, as I look at this. Yo, that was never going to happen. That I'm was never going to happen. I'm just saying. I but, didn't believe but, that for one second. I but, was like, this is the ultimate NFL draft, smoke and mirrors. But, 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 at, but, but as I look at this, much to Mr. Logical's surprise, Malik Cunningham could be the best quarterback on the roster. And the Patriots won't ever know it if they keep him at receiver. 
because I think that at the very least, you know, when I look at Billy Zappi, he'll throw for some yards, but he has that Chad Pennington thing going on where I feel like I can throw it further than him. You know, whereas Malik Cunningham has a better arm. He has the legs to go with it. So I would say, like, you know, he's better. He will be better than, say, Huntley from the Ravens. The Pro so, Bowl quarterback. The Pro Bowl quarterback Tyler. from the Ravens, Tyler Huntley. <laughs> so, 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 so I think that the Patriots might have a quarterback that they don't know about just yet. So I'm going to watch the next preseason game and I'll come back and, you know, we'll see what happens. But that was my takeaway from watching the Patriots because my take, my first takeaway was Matt Jones is not it. Like, which I already knew anyway, but his, but he just kind of confirmed what I had already thought, you know, uh, Matt Jones is in a, is in a tough spot because. Yeah. Cause he's not good. I think, I think he, I think he <laughs> just was, he was surrounded by so much talent in Alabama that I think he thinks he's better than he is. Whereas you have a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who just basically just been, he's been as good as whatever weapons were around him. And he's, he's known like Jimmy Garoppolo is not a 5,000 yard guy. Right. 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 I can get this past the Kittle. I'll throw this screen pass all day. I'll throw this touch pass to Debo. I'll, I'll do all of these things. So, I don't get hit because I'm always hurt. So like yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo can kind of make your plays happen. Yeah, like like uh, Matt, well, well, I like talk about quarterbacks a lot, but like the Mac Jones was done in in well, New England when he went when the when information got out that he was reaching out to outside people to get advice about what was going on in New England. Well, it was like, we've all heard about the Patriot way. He went to school in Alabama. Imagine if Nick Saban heard that. Before the COVID year and that summer, Mac Jones was out here working with Lincoln Riley right. or something like that. Right. He wouldn't have saw the field. He wouldn't have, he would have had to give all his Alabama swag back. Every key code, they would have changed on him. His locker would have been ripped out of the wall. Like, so he should have known better than that. So when information right. got out, I think that relationship is soiled. So, and like I said, on top of fact, I think he just, they, I think he might just be he might feel like he's better than he actually is. Right. So, so before people get it twisted and confused, I know that Mac Jones didn't play this weekend. I'm just saying that when I look at Bailey Zappi, I see things that Mac Jones is not. And when I look at Malik Cunningham, I see things that Mac Jones can't do. So as I was watching this, I just didn't see a future for him in new England, but then you know, um, as I was looking at some preseason football, checking out some things, you know, my next uh, note that I wrote down here was Bryce Young is about to learn real quick what the life of Andrew Luck leads to because he was taking some hits. You know, he didn't necessarily get sacked per se. But he was taking some hits that I don't think you want your quarterback to take, but especially when he's five nine, one yeah, a quarterback that's like an inch taller than me and probably less than ten pounds more than me. You don't want that either. So you know, uh, but as I look at it, I'm still kind of lost. I mean, I understand that they had to make the trade to get him, but like. Losing DJ Moore is just going to be so awful for him, you know. So as when, a, I saw, you saw, when they saw that play made at Chicago, 
Yeah, like, you know, it, Justin Fields with his, what was it, negative six air yards, negative seven air yards. That's interesting. But and, you that know, throw was, and the throw was bad. You know, and that's Justin Fields. You know what I mean? You, you see the potential, but then he does, you know, there's just certain things that just don't add up. But, but three you know, three. but I think Bryce Young, I think Bryce Young will be okay long term. I just don't know if he's going to make it through this season behind that offensive line. <laughs> well, like, as far as, like, like we said, we, we talked about this in our pre-meeting. Like, yeah, we're not – we don't break down offensive lines. Like, yeah, we're sports fans, and we, we like to talk sports, and I think we, you know, we break it down to the best of our analytical ability. Um, I am not someone that's like, hey, this is what a guard is rated at. I can repeat what I read on Pro Football Focus or what I, you know, see in the NFL Top 100 – or even what I see in the game, like, hey, I watched, you know, Jake Matthews for the Falcons get beat X amount of times. Like, I can see that, but I don't know what, you know, if it's a stunt, was he supposed to block the inside guy and the guard right. supposed to pull and block the other guy, you know? So I don't know exactly what the, the nuance of the position is, so I can't really go into it. But I do know, like we talked about this, that, that that second tier offensive line against the ones of the other team or even like the second <laughs> like the second and third string, the offense is so complicated. So these starting offense, like if you're starting quarterback at NFL, your confidence should never waver because you are an elite athlete at that position. If you're starting offensive line, if you're starting wide receiver, your your attributes are a few notches above the guy that's behind you. So you got to take that as it just it's just from sports reports is ordered, Mr. Logical and two five. We watch and we talk about this all the time. It's like it is incredible the drop from the starting quarterback to the backup quarterback and the starting like even uh, a chef like we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs when they played Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. They lost an offensive lineman in the AFC Championship game and they shuffled up a bunch of players and Patrick Mahomes was running for his life in that Super Bowl that Tampa Bay won simply because he had no time. And the time, it wasn't because he didn't have fast wide receivers. That's Tyreek Hill. So Tyreek can get to the spot. He didn't have enough time to get Tyreek Hill open. Like, that's how important your offensive line is and having a top-notch offensive line. So some of these preseason games I watch and teams are just like, I was going to throw some guys out there. Like, I don't know who set up the San Francisco offensive line, but it seemed like somebody was in Trey Lance's lap all night. Uh, Baltimore, they played their Pro Bowl quarterback Huntley into this like fourth quarter uh Denver playing Russell Wilson into the second half or like late into the second quarter he's getting hit so it just was like I don't know why these guys are just rolling the dice hoping that their concepts work like listen man you got to put the talent out there if you know you you, if you're gonna put your franchise quarterback out there you need to keep everybody out there ready to go you know you made me think while you were saying that this isn't my next note but it is on here <laughs> so the word privilege gets tossed around a lot these days. I'm gonna tell you about privilege. That's gonna be Drew Locke. So, you know, going off of that drop from first string to second string and so on and so forth. And I know when we started this show, I mentioned about can Geno Smith do it again? I don't necessarily know the answer to that question, but I know Drew Locke can't do it once. You know, because what I saw was Drew Locke call a play 
They get it. They they're about to come out the huddle, and Jackson Smith and Jigma, the rookie, says, "I'm not supposed to be there." This man called the wrong play and almost got to delay a game. You know, like this is he's not a rookie. You know what I mean? Like, like he's been in the league for some years now. I mean, not ten years or anything. Hey, he better be paying attention because Gino could go down at any moment. He's a human. He's a human being. Gino could go down at any moment. You know what I'm saying? The Johnny Manziel documentary was on the other day, and I watched a couple of clips. But one clip that I did remember is said that his iPod hours were zero point zero when he was in (laughs) Cleveland. He and he did he did this. He was like. Didn't watch any film. The Jamarcus Russell with the blank DVDs. You heard that story? Yep, yep. yep. So sometimes these guys are just like, sometimes it's just a job. It's literally just a job. And he's like, I'm not going to start. And when I do start, that's when I'll pay attention. But see, but like Johnny Manziel came into the league as like, he was already a superstar. So he probably had an overinflated thought of himself to begin with. Because we also heard your guy, you know, Mike Vick. Mike Vick basically admit that the first Same nine thing. or ten years of his career, he didn't look at a playbook or anything like that. It's like in Atlanta, he's like, I didn't know the all. He's like, I didn't. I wasn't a lot of audible. I didn't know the checkdowns. I just do my athletic ability. With but you. we ain't talking about them. We talked about Drew Locke, who like was on the bench behind people like the world famous Trevor Simeon. You know what I mean? <laughs> you better get in that playbook. So, but my actual next note, and I guess it's a moot point now because Dalvin Cook has signed with the New York Jets. But what I had wrote was the Dolphins don't even need Dalvin Cook. You know, they already got Jeff Wilson. They already got Mosert. And then they have Devin A-Chain, I believe is how you say it, from Texas A&M, you know, who looked great during the preseason, even had a 38-yard kickoff return. And then Deuce Vaughn, unfortunately, over in Dallas, Said that guy looked like he might just be the next Darren Sproles. Yeah, he 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 looked comfortable, and and that's the thing is like looking at these preseason. You know, we think back to like Victor Cruz, and and we've seen that uh, the highlights of like who's number three? Like, is that a quarterback? Like, no, that's a wide receiver, and he caught the three touchdowns against the Jets, and you know, and it, it turned into a great career. So there's there's talent to be found, but you know, you got guys that like. Guys, he fumbled a ball like Turpin. He fumbled a ball mm-hmm. in Dallas last year. He had the kickoff return for a touchdown, the punt return for a touchdown. Essentially, sealed his spot on the team. Now, think if he fumbled one of those kicks last year, say he, <laughs> before the kickoff. Say, say he fumbled the kickoff, he wouldn't even get the shot to return the punt. Now he's not on the team. So it's such a, it's such a like when people say preseason doesn't matter. It matters for a lot of guys. Who it's are a game of inches. Four, five, and six, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round draft picks, guys who didn't keep like if you're not getting if you're not getting paid more than like ten million dollars, you're expendable by according to probably most because there's a lot of guys like Dalvin Cook was supposed to get paid. And you're like, eh, we get rid of him. So it's it's a lot of spots out there for guys to get, and you know, one mistake here, one mistake there. Yeah, some guys are gonna get more chances, like Trey Lance. We, we, we talked about that at nausea. They put a lot of draft picks, and he's gonna get more shots. Uh, I saw like a lot of quarterbacks who like journeymen who were playing against third stringers and they just look so comfortable. And it's like, why doesn't that translate to when you get a start? Mm-hmm. Like a guy like Blau, who got a couple of starts in Detroit back in the day. Um, Danucci, he got a couple of starts in Dallas back in the day. 
And it doesn't look the same when they're playing against ones as when they're playing against a three. And I guess, like they said, the game slows down, you get better. But these preseason games, they do matter. I'm not going to take, like, the the Ravens 24-game preseason win streak. I'm like, I don't care about any of that. But some of the plays where it's like, we got to see, did we draft the right guy, this guy, or do we have a steal? Mostly steals are probably, like, your defensive players, like linebackers that, you know, oh, he ran a 4-5 or 4-6. But you get him out there in pads, and it's like, oh, he was really watching film. He knows this, you know, he's seen the screen coming. Because I saw a lot of guys making a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. Seen a couple of interceptions, like guys just reading the play. Just I'm like, okay. So these these guys are really out there, you know, they, and they're grinding. But, you know, everybody can't make the team. How about that uh, touchdown pass from Jordan Love to uh, to Dubes? How about that? He, he might have learned something from Aaron. He might, he might have learned something. And Matt LaFleur has a couple of years. You know, he has three years experience dealing with Aaron and just kind of dealing with adversity and dealing with the media and dealing with expectations. So maybe our preseason prediction of them, I mean, maybe the NFC North be a little bit more entertaining. Maybe Kirk Cousins comes back to, like, you know, coin one of your phrases, comes back to the means, and they end up 8-9 because they don't get all those one possession. You know, and because like, they don't have Dalvin Cook. They don't have Dalvin Cook. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe yeah. Detroit. Detroit's like, you know, we're we're good to go. They probably not gonna play a lot of their starters in the preseason. And well, they need they to definitely out. play Jamison Williams. That was another one of my notes. Like, uh, well, he's gonna be suspended for the first six weeks. I know, but he just doesn't look. He doesn't look like the player that they drafted. You know, from the standpoint, obviously he had the injury, but the thought of the type of player that he is, the deep threat, the, the burner and all that, like just doesn't look like it right now. All it, the players from Alabama haven't really, like they just have a different, they're, the offensive line in Alabama coupled with the fact that Nick Saban kind of said, you know what, let me get some pro style offensive coordinators in here. When you're quarterbacks, I mean, we saw some of Mac Jones' highlights, man. He would be the only dude behind the line of scrimmage after the snap. The whole <laughs> offensive line, they get everybody at the line of scrimmage, and it's just Mac playing seven on seven. And oh. he had <laughs> Smith and Michi and Jay. So it's like he just was just throwing the ball. You know, same thing with Bryce Young. He had a little bit more of a struggle, but struggle mightily is – you know, in, in Alabama. Mm-hmm. So and these guys are just, they're just throwing these guys to like some of the most talented guys, guys transfer. Like if you are a talented wide receiver at Ohio state or Michigan and Alabama calls you, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm it. I'm the big league. So like you get transferred down to Alabama and you get out there and you make these big plays because of the way that they, you know, the offensive line is set up and their quarterbacks are good, smart quarterbacks. The guys always seem to be, they seem to be like a couple of years older maturity level, like the Alabama quarterbacks. They don't seem to make the same mistakes mm-hmm. as other quarterbacks. They seem to handle co- tough coaching well. And I think Nick Saban does a good job of being hands-off with the offense. And then he might bark on the defense, but he normally has a defensive coordinator that barks too. Like that the, when he was like him and uh, Will Muschamp when LSU and they were coming up the sideline, they're both yelling like, there's no way any of the defensive players are hearing what you guys are both saying, <laughs> but they were both like equally aggressive. I was like, okay. So I think he can become a little hands off. So like a lot of the players that you get out of Alabama are just good, smart, tough players. And that's why you keep them around, but they're not always as dynamic as their college highlights because of, you know, 
the nature of their team. The team is just stacked, but they're talented players. It just it doesn't it, it doesn't translate because what they were doing down there is just it's not normal. Like for and, that level, it's a not you know, what everybody else is doing. And keeping it in the SEC, you know, like the Colts might be better off just letting Anthony Richardson jump for four yards, you know, versus throwing the ball. Like he got project written all over him. Just they got enamored with the um with the no ball tank top and all the throws. And and CJ Stroud didn't look much better, but you know, um I think that he'll be fine, but it'll be tough because you know he has a uh, defensive coach as well, defensive head coach as well. Uh, whereas Anthony Richardson at least has the offensive head coach that came over from Philly who worked with Jalen Hurts. So obviously he's bigger than Jalen Hurts, but we've seen him. But did Jalen get better in the offseason working with a private coach or did he get better because of the offensive coach? I think honestly, truthfully, I think Jalen just got better because he's a winner. Like he's just that dude that puts in the work regardless of who it was with. He just yeah. puts he just puts in the work to become better. You know, we'll see if Anthony Richardson can do that, but he definitely has tools, you know, and he's bigger than Jalen Hurts, you know, so theoretically he has the ability to turn it around. I mean, it was just one preseason game. I don't want to overreact, yeah. but 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 you know, I mean, he's got the guy that was recommended by Philip Rivers to be the head coach. So, you know, that's got to count for something. I mean, he probably also recommended Jeff Saturday too. You know, Sam with that link, think, that think, LinkedIn I teams, network. I think teams are are like I said, we talked about this with the Matt Ryan Joe Flacco that 08 draft. You don't have to start your rookie quarterback. You don't have to. Like, I don't I'm not seeing the value in starting your rookie quarterback when you can see this person's not ready. Trevor right. Lawrence looked like he was ready and he just needed some time. Right. Uh a guy like Kyler Murray, I don't know if he was ready. I mean, they took him obviously they, they drafted him number one overall. Baker Mayfield wasn't ready and he sat and when he sat for those games behind Tyrod Taylor, like that's why you have guys like Mike Lennon, Tyrod Taylor, Chase Daniel. Uh, now, ironically, you have guys like ba- Baker Mayfield is going to be one of those guys. Kurt Warner was a bridge quarterback for Eli Manning. Eli Manning was a bridge quarterback for Daniel Jones. So like you, you might just need to pay your rookie quarterback. You got the cheaper scale because Matthew Stafford and Sam Bradford, all those guys got that big check. I think even, okay, we always talk about Jamarcus Russell. I think Cam Newton got, got a big check as a number one overall pick. And then they, you know, CBA argue, blah, 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 got it to where it's like a, a standard scale. They just kind of adjust, you know, it goes up every few years, but it's not $50 million a year cap to some guys that have played that you have to play Matthew Stafford. Right. Like I'm paying you 20 something million dollars. Okay. That's a lot, but I'm also paying this. I'm paying Case Keenum 7 million. Okay. So I got 27 million, 30 million in my quarterback position, but I'm going to let my rookie hold his clipboard for eight games. See what it looks like. See what it looks like when its team gets exotic, because if you can't throw it into this preseason offense defense, with this vanilla, like, because teams aren't really showing you much. They might blitz a corner here and there, but everyone knows, like, it's basically a pro bowl defense. It's like, we're going to play this coverage. 
we go do this man-to-man coverage. We're going to play this zone coverage, maybe a few variations here and there. None of the exotic stuff. They don't want any of that on film yet. So if you're struggling throwing into that, what are you going to do when all of a sudden Calais Campbell is dropped in the zone and you got two safeties coming up? They're like, I've never seen anything this ridiculous. Right. A six-foot-eight guy playing linebacker all of a sudden from the defensive tackle position because they're blitzing corners off the edge. And now you got to make your check down, your your your, your slant rise on the quickest with the tight end, but you got this big six foot eight. Like so, when you when you don't have that time to sit on and hold a clipboard and watch Case Keenan work through that, sit there and watch a guy like like so like Chase Daniel, Tyrod Taylor, like these guys, let these journeymen really teach your young quarterbacks. Because I think Jordan Love is going to be the example of it does work. You know, sit behind a guy. Granted, it was kind of tumultuous in the way Green Bay did it, but. I think it might behoove some of these teams to just I know Justin Herbert was like a flash in the pan, but every guy isn't six foot five, two thirty. Well, that's why like I've always said that like Ryan and Flacco, more so Ryan, messed it up for everybody. Change the mold. Come on, let's yeah, get positive in that change oh, the mold. My bad. My bad. I mean, I mean his first NFL throw went for a touchdown. Shout out to you ATL. Know, but they but you know they uh they came in, made the playoffs right away. You know, granted, Flacco had the Ravens defense, but, you know, they came in, made the playoffs right away, and it changed, I think, the trajectory of what people expected from rookie quarterbacks. Because if I remember correctly, uh, it was either – I always mix them up, so I apologize. But it's, it was either Carson, Carson Palmer or John Kitna. Like, one of them sat a year. Uh, I want to say it was Kitna. Palmer – Palmer sat behind Kitna. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so 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 he sat a year and then he came in ready to throw darts, lead the Bengals to the playoffs until you know he got taken out. It's but but show, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. He got taken out. But 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 you know, but but so up until that point, like I think that was the standard almost, unless you were just surefire Peyton Manning type guy, like you're playing right away. But then once Ryan and Flacco came in, I think everybody just turned it into like, well, look, I drafted you number one. And You're going to get out on this field. Million dollars and they were paying them $50 million. So you had and, Stafford. I think it was Bradford, Stafford, Cam Newton. All those guys went back to back to back. I think you're mixing a Jeff, Jevian Clowney as number one overall. But a lot of the quarterbacks that were getting drafted in those two or three years after Flacco and Ryan – it was like, well, we had the success with Flacco and Ryan making playoffs all those years in a row and you know, bringing Atlanta back. Not realizing what they had around them. And Atlanta was a solid team, so Matt Ryan definitely elevated, but he was one of those guys that he just made – he right. got to his back foot and he made the throw. He just was a good young quarterback. He moved yeah. well enough. And that's, and that's why I told you my introduction to Matt Ryan was that Thursday night game against Virginia Tech, you know, to throw across his chest. You know, yeah. so like that was what made me a Matt Ryan fan was that one play. I saw it. They were like number two in the country, like craziness, Boston College. But but, yeah. you know, but but that's where like when you look at it, you got to. These leagues are copycat leagues. They find something that works and then everybody tries to maintain that same identity instead of playing yeah. to their own strengths. You know, but they, they, cop- they copy the wrong. They don't copy the concepts that are sustainable. Cause if I can teach you a concept, like 
the format that we're using for this podcast is a concept that we can look right at the odd couple and say, this is how they do it. This is how they work. This is the personality traits. Granted, we're not, this isn't fraudulent, but this is like, okay, this is the setup, the screen, the, the backdrop, the conversation, the, the back and forth, not following the same path as what they're doing on TV. So it's a concept of how you can run a, a podcast to have this kind of conversation. So we followed that. I'm not up here trying to be Stephen A. Smith. Right. And that's what other that's what teams are doing. Instead of just looking at the concept of first take, they're trying to find a guy that acts like Stephen A. Smith. Right. Instead of saying, like, okay, we want a quarterback that can move, they are reaching for a guy that looks like Cam Newton and Indianapolis Colts. Instead of looking at a guy like, oh, well, you know, say if Arizona drafted a small quarterback, we could do it too. Like, yeah, cool. Kyler Murray is a small quarterback and Baker Mayfield is a small quarterback. But Baker Mayfield is a pretty solid dude, and he was older. So he had, like, a grown man body when he got drafted. I think he was, like, 23, almost 24 when he got drafted. So that's that's a lot of years. Like, you think about your own body from 20 to 24, like your ability to put on muscle. Bryce Young is still pretty young, and he's not very thick. He's not, like, a thick body. And, short, he's a small body. But that's more of the Kyler Murray. Like, oh, Kyler Murray got drafted. I'm like, yeah, but that's not the same. Right. So – if you look at the concept of draft a rookie quarterback, marry him to a good coach, have him sit behind someone, Kansas City did that. They drafted Patrick Mahomes. They had him sit behind Alex Smith, and it worked out. Chicago drafted Mitchell Trubisky and essentially threw him right in there and then benched him and tried to put him back in and didn't have him with the right coach, and he ended up – now he's, he went to Buffalo for a year, and then he went to Pittsburgh. Deshaun Watson was in Houston. Maybe some other things transpired in Houston. I got him out there to go before the allegations came out because they went with the concept, oh, we're getting this young athletic quarterback. Let's start him right away. Like, no, let's get him behind somebody. Kansas City, Grant, yes, they are the anomaly because Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal. But I'm pretty sure he was phenomenal that whole year at practice. Like, he was making those same throws, and people could see the whip and, and how far he was throwing the ball in practice. But they stayed with Alex Smith. They gave him the whole year. They made the playoffs. And then they were like, all right, Alex, you can go to Washington. We're going to start this guy. Well, he had to watch, you know, because, like, even as we take this podcast journey, you know, I've been watching sports for years, you know, like my whole life, basically. But when I was watching March Madness that just passed, like, it was just different. Like, so instead of me being like, oh, great shot and the way that he set the screen and came off of it, I was sitting there like, so the defender decided to hedge or like, you know, it was like just all this different stuff. Like, or, you know, like um, you're watching it more intently, whereas like when you're sitting at work or whatever. You're, you're like deliberately yo, pick you're deliberately picking up yeah, like, like you're like later. you're like Steph hit eight threes like he do that all the time but like yeah, you know what I mean but you're, but pick, you're, you're picking up words you're picking up catchphrases you're picking yeah. up you know like even the music we picked like I mean we we workshop this name we we tried a bunch of different names out so like you're constantly working at the craft by like looking at other people who are doing it properly and it seems like the NFL is just winging it they just kind of yeah they just they out. just they just see somebody that had success like i'm sure like somebody somewhere said we got to find our patrick mahomes and i'm like yo they only come around about once every 30 yeah you know yeah, what i mean get, so <laughs> yeah it, it, it's not it's not a it's not a thing that happens a lot yeah, like you know I what I mean. Like people, I think when people looked at Vic and they saw the athleticism, it's like yeah, but 
that is not what you need. Like, you don't need to get another guy. If Lamar Jackson's in Baltimore, he's an outstanding quarterback, MVP. But if you're drafting a quarterback next year, you don't need a guy like Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying he's not a great player, but you don't need to pass over a guy because you want the guy that looks like Lamar Jackson. If your offense doesn't work with Lamar Jackson, or if you don't have a lot of rollouts built into your offense, you don't have quarterback keepers built into your offense, then like Tom, like if you drafted Tom Brady and your offense was built for Lamar Jackson, that wouldn't make any sense. So it's the same thing if you had, like if you're New England, like you say, like Malik Cunningham, I don't think New England has the offensive even desire. I don't think Bill Belichick has a desire to have a quarterback that moves a lot. Yeah. I think because even with Cam Newton, they tried it and they got stuffed at the goal line. So then, or he'd fumble or just like, it was like, you know what? This isn't what I do as a coach. Like he was available. You thought they had something. They thought I had a dominant or rough, but it just didn't work out because like this doesn't fit our concept. So you went to Mac Jones and Mac Jones fits their concept. It's just that he probably felt like I don't. I don't blame him for not one Matt Patricia calling the plays because it was one yeah. game where they just kept throwing screw bubble screens on each side of the field, like every drive. And it was like, that's basically just another run play. Like give me a play where I can stretch the defense. You know, and speaking of new England, shout out to the Patriots for giving out a contract to Zeke Elliott. 6 million, you know, one year, 6 million Dalvin cook got one year, 8.6. So these two dudes got six and eight point six for teams they never played for, but the Giants can only get Saquon Barkley ten point two. And, and, and uh, oh by the LA way, LA gave nine eight in a uh, Austin Eckler. And oh by the way, Josh Jacobs is still out there. He didn't sign it. No, this is a holdout, baby. He's the one that you know but stuck to the guns. I know, but you know, and then uh there was oh uh, there's a name I had in my head. Now it's slipping me now. Um, you know, but yeah, he's out there, so we'll see what happens with him. Kareem Hunt's still out there. Yep, Kareem Hunt, that wasn't where I was going, but uh it was another starter, I believe. Uh oh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, reported now, you know, like I know he had the issue with the Colts. I mean, he's under contract anyway, so yeah, he's having no leverage. You know, they have you have no leverage. CBA is too far away anyway. So you get, know. get some endorsement deals, get some investment deals, get some stock options and like a like another league's team, if you can, like maybe a soccer team. A lot of people are doing that. Uh, but right now, you guys don't have any leverage as far as the running back position goes. But mm-hmm. I, like, I like I like the fact that Zeke got, got his money. I think New England using well because I think New England will do the same like. You know, Bill Belichick kind of, I want to say coined the phrase, but he was like, don't tell me what a guy can't do. Tell me what he can't do. Like, well, Zeke can't carry the ball for you 22 times a game. Like, can I get eight carries inside the 15, though? And he could block. Can he Can he block? Can I get him in on, you know, third and two? Can he give me three yards? Cool. I'll take that. I'll take, I'll get my drive going. Give me my drive. I want, I need 10 play drives. Can I get a running back in there that's going to secure the ball? And, you know, get me, give me, Scoring range. That's that's all you need. You need points. Yeah, and you know, you like I was block. thinking about it because you know uh, we were talking the other day about Denver and how uh, if they had just averaged, you know, like twenty like points. Seven, or something. I think it's like 19, 19 points. Yeah, they would have been. They would have been like twelve. A Super Bowl contender. Like 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about that today. Like, you know, like I was talking to somebody and I was just like, damn. So if Zach Wilson could have just been average. If he could have been Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Rodgers would be retired. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. The Jets would have been giving Kansas City fits. You know what I mean? Like with that defense, you know, it would have been great to see. So, you know, I'm excited. You know, football's here. You know, we got college football coming up in a couple of weeks as well. You know, getting ready for Florida State LSU, of course. You know, AP Top 25 came out today. So I wanted to give you a few teams, you know, uh, just some quick thoughts real quick. You know, because, you know, we make the jokes every year about like, here they go with the Notre Dame thing again. And here they go with the Texas thing again. So like. Here they go with the SEC putting eight teams in the top 25. So so, so, so this is all what these I, teams have six wins over ranked teams. So this so this is this is what I don't understand. You know, I don't understand how. They pick and choose, you know, because most top 25s are like. Hey, Georgia's automatically number one, two-time national champion in a row, top two or three recruiting classes, and then somebody like me is going to be like, but they got a new quarterback, like you know what I mean, that we ain't never seen play, you know, running backs, you know, all that stuff, like lost Ringo, all that good stuff, you know. So obviously Georgia's number one, you know. But as I go through the top twenty-five, I'm looking at this and I'm like, so Penn State number seven. New quarterback, you know, uh, Tennessee, Henry Hooker's gone, number 12. You know, I keep going, I keep scrolling, Wisconsin, number 19, Oklahoma, number 20. And I'm like, Oklahoma finished six and seven last year, first of all. So, like, I don't want to do the, like, because last year shouldn't matter. It's a new year. But what did a six and seven team do? To improve themselves. To be number 20 right now. They they wear burgundy and white and they play in hey, Oklahoma. To be fair, that's it. To be fair, it's actually crimson and cream. You know, and then number Tell twenty number twenty-three. Texas AM. And they were sub five hundred. Didn't make but a bowl they, game. They bought other recruits. Like number I said, tw- it's it's we, we talked about this. Last year, just in a regular conversation, pre-podcast, it's it's the it's a business. I know it's a nonprofit, but it's a profitable nonprofit. <laughs> if that makes any sense to people, it's set up like we talked about it. It was a couple years ago with uh with the with Cincinnati, Cincinnati and Houston. I think Houston had one loss. Cincinnati was like eight and no. Houston was like seven and one because it was probably like the middle of the season. You and I were talking, and Houston was ranked either twenty three or not ranked at all. And Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Texas A and M, all these other schools were ranked somewhere between like sixteen and twenty five or something like that. And I'm like, they set it up that way so Georgia, Alabama, whoever they want out of SEC. When they play these teams and they want to put them in the in the uh football playoff, yeah, they can say they have six wins over ranked opponents and Cincinnati only has two. Well but and, and, even though Cincinnati, like when they played Houston, Houston had one loss. I think it was like, you know, they were like something like ten and one. 
and Cincinnati was 11 and 0 when they played it. Some, some along those lines was like they should have been higher, but you stack, you stack it up to where your teams that you want to eventually be in the final four have the case. Well, I personally think they shouldn't do it until after the first four games. I agree with you. You shouldn't get a rake until or at the very October. least. I, like I've always said, like maybe six because like, so so this is the reason why I'm gonna give you this real quick and then I'm gonna say what I was gonna say. So when you look at like Michigan's schedule, for example, so Michigan's ranked number two right now. You know they got uh, two first place votes. You know uh, Georgia got sixty. <laughs> but looking like, at like people go against the mold. But looking at Michigan's schedule here, right? So you said first four games, right? This is Michigan's first four games this season. All at home against East Carolina, yep. UNLV, mm-hmm. Bowling Green. Tough games, man. And Rutgers. Yo, that's that's gonna be a tough game to watch as a Rutgers fan. Hold up, hold up, <laughs> hold up. Hold up. This is just 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 indulge me for a second. So, so those are the first four games, right? So then their first road game is at Nebraska. Then they go to Minnesota for the little brown jug game. They come back home for Indiana, go to East Lansing to play Sparty, come back home for Purdue. Then they go to Penn State at Maryland, Ohio State. So they automatically 8 no. You know what I mean, or you know, nine and they're ten, they're ten and two at worst. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I, I don't even got to see a snap. Up. I don't even got to see a snap. You know, but what I was going to say was, yeah, I remember there was a year where Bama was like on the edge, like there was a uh, they weren't in just yet, so it was like a debate between I believe it was them and Ohio State, maybe. And so what happened was, uh, they had beat Fresno State early in the season. You know, one of those, one of those, like, hey, we got this team coming to our place. We're going to smack them, blah blah blah. You're going to call us dominant. So Fresno State all season had not been in the rankings. So then, of course, they won the Mountain West. You know, won the title game, and they crept in at number twenty-four. And it was like Bama went from like three ranked wins to four ranked wins. So it was like, yo, you got to let them in. You know what I mean? Like so. That's the thing that bothers me because, like, they the have F- to sell out NFL stadiums for two college teams playing on a neutral site. You got, like, I got to think up here the Philly Stadium, so Lincoln, the Link, and MetLife in East Rutherford, probably like 70,000 each. So if you have a bowl game here, which they never do because it's so cold, and it's, you know, Utah versus Michigan. You, I don't know if you're selling seventy thousand Michigan and and Utah fans to get them to Philly. So you got to ensure that the schools that are going to these bowl games and neutral sites, you can sell the the down south because it's going to be an SEC school, like Louisiana school is going to be in it. So LSU is going to be in it. Mississippi school is going to be in it. So you can sell games out at the Superdome because you know. People getting to Mississippi from Mississippi to Louisiana, not that big a deal. Right. People getting to Georgia from Florida, not that big a deal. You can sell those out. Miami might be a stretch to sell out, but I think that stadium is only like sixty thousand seats. 
like the NFL saying. I don't think because it's not just a, it's not a. Well, that's why. But that's why you got to have. It should be a bigger football market, but it is way at the bottom of floor. Well, well, that's why. Like when it's not a uh, playoff game and it's just like the regular Orange Bowl, you know, back in the day you had like ACC against Big Twelve or something. So you know, you would have like Florida State against Nebraska, or you would have like Miami against Nebraska. Sometimes you had Notre Dame and Colorado. So like you were still able to sell it out because of the names involved. You know what I mean? So if you're trying to play a game, if you're trying to play a championship game in Jerry world, that's a hundred thousand seats. You need, you need two schools that are going to buy 50,000. You need to match up Bama with Cincinnati. So Cincinnati don't get there. (laughs) You, you can't because you can't fill it. You can't, you can't fill a stadium. You got to get Bama and Oklahoma. You know what I mean? Like, Bama and Oklahoma, you're gonna have you, you're gonna have standing room only tickets at that yeah. game. Yeah. But you know, like when Utah played Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, I think it was the Sugar Bowl, they were playing in Louisiana. Utah ended up winning, but it's only like twelve thousand Utah fans there. The rest was Bama and just other Southern football fans. Right. It was like one section, it was all red. That Probably a it. bunch of LSU fans just to hate on Bama. Listen, you know whatever what happened, shout out to Utah, 13-0, National Champs, 2009 season. That's right. You know, but uh, so here's your top 10 for those of you who have not seen this poll. So we're going to go from 10 to 1. Washington, my cousin Clemens, Florida State, Penn State, Trojangelis, better known as USC, LSU, and then your top four. Alabama, Ohio State with one first-place vote, Michigan with two first-place votes, and then Georgia with 60. So I want to know who was that person that gave Ohio State a first-place vote, you know, because they're breaking in a new quarterback, too. You know? Somebody that right for the Columbus Sentinel or something like you, that. You know, the Columbus so, Dispatch. Yeah, there you go. That's the one. Yeah, so yeah. it's like something like that. I mean – you can make the argument that the new quarterback thing does hurt you, but Georgia's has a their defensive concept works, and they they put players and so I guarantee you, there's another dude that is either built like or runs like Jordan Davis or Jalen Carter that's going to line up as a three technique. Or oh, what's my little dude, uh, Nakobe Dean? Well, well, like, well, that's why, I like, you know, it's gonna be they, 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 they're just gonna put, they're gonna put the same type of defense right back on the field. And yes, Stetson Bennett being three, four years older than most of the defensive starters that he's throwing against probably helped. I mean, but it wasn't like he was twenty five years old, six five, two thirty five. He still was like well, six foot two ten. Speaking of Stetson Bennett, how's that for a preseason takeaway? You know, what I'm saying like. He just looked like a winner out there, but like, but you know, but like, it's just one of those things where it's like Georgia and Ohio state will probably be there when the dust settles. Like they'll be probably top eight ish at least when we get to like week 11 or whatever in college football. But that's always, but, but, but that's always been my argument is that if you know, or you think that they're going to end up there anyway, why not wait to release it? Well, well, why, why, why do they have to be number one right now? You know what I mean? Because then, if Ohio State goes out here and loses to somebody like Nebraska, or whoever, 
Penn State, they just go get called overrated anyway. You know, which well, they probably that happened are. In Michigan when they lost to Appalachian State because I think Michigan was five. Yeah, they were number five, and Appalachian State came in there and and. But then they you know, lost again the, the next. They lost week. to Oregon. Yeah, and then they yeah. were out out of the top twenty-five. So they did do the, they did recognize their mistake. Like okay. no, no. But my point is like like if you're Georgia, you know what I mean. Like say hypothetically, you know they got you know new quarterback, all that stuff we just talked about. What's wrong with putting Georgia at four or five? You know maybe six. You know what I mean? And then they go undefeated or whatever, lose one game. They're going to work their way back up to the cream of the crop and top anyway. So it's not as if you starting them at six is going to keep them out of the playoffs. Because, yes, having a dynamic quarterback, I mean, we, we talked a lot about quarterbacks with our football analysis tonight. Like, why is Bama four outside of Nick Saban being their coach? Because they probably have – like I said, they have the top recruiting class. That, and a SEC. lot of those dudes ain't played yet. Listen, I know football is a, a a tough sport, but when you have that level of talent just literally coming in all the time and your coaching staff has been there for as long as they have, and you're, you're not going to forget how to – how do I work in this six-foot-four – 290 pound 19 year old like you just know where to put him yeah yeah you know where to put like yeah there's some safeties they might not get the cover three cover four concepts and you're gonna have to work them in but in the meantime i got you know 1200 pounds of defensive line off the rip so off the snap i am the alabama defensive front the georgia defensive front lsu defensive front just those 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 guys are just bigger they're just bigger they have the facilities that get them even bigger. So these guys are showing up out of high school, six four, six five. I mean, like I've looked every once in a while just for entertainment. I looked through Alabama's roster and just sorted by height. It's ridiculous the size, like, and the way they get them from. They have guys who are like six five, two forty linebackers, nineteen year old from Hawaii. Like this dude is a red shirt. So you got a red shirt kid from Hawaii who went from like two. I mean, I guess two of creators pipeline, but they'll have a backup that's you know a freshman or a sophomore red shirt freshman reference shirt sophomore six five two sixty six five two forty defensive lineman six four three hundred pounds just waiting on other guys to get drafted or graduate from Cali. And they get yeah, from California. <laughs> they got five-star quarterbacks from Utah down there, just sitting behind quarterbacks. Yeah, so, like it's just they just funnel out this talent. It's like Willie walking a chocolate factory. They just keep putting out these chocolate bars. So it's like I I don't like ranking them early, but if you're going to do it, then you know just keep it simple. Like don't try to give me two lane. Because you know they had a good run last year, I get it, but they're they're not going to match up with number twenty three Tulane to you, buddy. Yeah, so it's like I get it, and on top of that, like it's until somebody comes to the mountaintop and pulls a sword out of the stone, like King Arthur, and slays some of these guys from the SEC or these ACC schools. Like you see what happened with Clemson, like they had their run with Deshaun Watson, and they came back with Trevor Lawrence, and it just you you can't you can't maintain it. You got to give a nod to the team that can continue to maintain it. LSU is like a sign wave. They're up, they're down, they're up, they're down. So they might have a, a eight and four year and then come back and now they're 10 and two. And then they might have this miraculous 13 and 0 year where they win it all. 
So they, they're just one of those teams. Ole Miss will start off great, 6-0, and 6-1, and one, and then just kind of tail off at the end, finish their season 9-4. Well, I'm interested because they, like they get Bama early this year. You know, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, which Bama has done before. So that's not like the biggest news. But that they right now on August 14th, you know, we publicly don't necessarily know who the starter is going to be. We saw Milrow play last year, fumble a lot. You know, they brought in a quarterback from Notre Dame because they brought the offensive coordinator in. But that quarterback was out for the season for Notre Dame last year. So, like, this is the first time that I feel like. Does that cheek in Alabama armor? Well, well, like, Bama had, like, you know, they've, they, they've switched out quarterbacks before. And, you know, you were, like you said, you were just like, yo, five-star, put them in. You know what I mean? But this is the first time that I feel like I'm not confident that they have the guy on their roster. Like, so, Yeah, but how confident are you that the wide receivers 10 times a game are going to be two yards wide open? Well, we'll see. They got Texas in uh, game two or three, so we'll see. So if, if, if the offensive line – Stands pat. Like there's some stats. I remember I, I you know you watch Alabama game and they'll put a stat on the board. Yeah. And it'll say something like, This guy hasn't given up a quarterback hitting 866 snaps. Just like <laughs> just crazy numbers for like every offensive lineman that like one dude went out there, granted it was the last snap of the game. He had a torn ACL. He was like, I gotta get this last snap. He jogged out there with a torn like so their offensive lineman is so good, he could jog out there with no ACL in his leg. Still get a good snap in that granted it took a knee, but they had these crazy stats, like haven't given up a sack since since he was a freshman and he's like a senior or a guy hasn't given up a no hasn't missed a block in this meeting, or he has like 12 pank, you know, just these crazy stats. It was like, yeah, if they still have that, then whatever quarterback you get in there is gonna be able to hit his drop and someone's going to be open over the top with some deep crossing routes, some crazy some, – they're going to be yeah. two yards wide open, and maybe he misses it the first time, but Bill O'Brien's going to be on the sideline. He's going to – or not Bill, but, like, you know, you know, someone's going to show him yeah, – the, They got the Tommy Reese now from side. Notre Dame, yeah. So they'll be like, yeah, listen, man, hey, we're going to run that play again. You see here? See this 4-3 wide receiver we have out here in this go route? Just throw yeah, it up. He's, yeah, he's going to be wide open again. He'll, he'll get under it. <laughs> This this eighteen year old corner that they got out of uh, this three star corner they got out of Ohio, yeah, he can't cover him. So we're gonna call that again on first down. So just let that thing go. Now, Ole Miss got to get Bama one of these years, man. They, they got to get him one of these years, and you know. But I will say, ooh, Tennessee, they gonna be waiting for y'all. <laughs> they gonna be waiting for y'all. They gonna be waiting to get their hands on Joe Milton. And this is and this is the thing that happens with like I'm not gonna you know I give credit to Colin Cowherd he called it he called it the Tom Brady Bill Belichick effect the Nick Saban effect the LeBron effect where good teams good teams will have success and then they can't beat like that com like that guy and then blow up their team thinking like, this is the reason why we can't beat like, no, the reason you can't beat the, this combination is because that guy is that much better. You might get him one time. Like Nick Saban. I don't know how many coaches have a decent record against Nick Saban. You see that y'all like even in the off season, this man still taking shots at the Listen, Toronto Raptors for no reason. 
Listen, it was the, the whole. It was. See, it was, see, I didn't say what you thought class. I was going to say. I didn't say what you thought I was going to say. Like, yo, but it's like, <laughs> but if you think about it, if you think about how many years, like Alabama had that stronghold on SEC for a while, until Kirby Smart got to Georgia, and because like Mark Rick was one of those guys. He he had talented teams. He had AJ Green, Mary, no Sean Moreno, Sony Michelle couldn't get past Alabama. Then Kirby Smart gets there. He gets, you know, has his rough patches, whatever the case may be, or rough, not winning the championship is rough at SEC. Right, right. And right. then he he's like, I got it. I got the formula. I got the old quarterback, and I got the young warthogs up front just mauling people. This is how I'm going to beat these guys. Texas A&M tried it, but, like, Jim, Jimbo Fisher, he's trying to rush it, and that's going to cause him to potentially lose his job because – you're trying to overdo it to try to beat the guy that's been, you know, dominating your 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 era for so long that a, a school like Tennessee, they probably think they're going to beat Alabama again this year. Alabama's going to be the breaks off Tennessee. <laughs> well, to be fair, and it's going to be at it's going to be in Brian Denny, yes, right? Tuscaloosa. Yep. It, you know, to be fair, to be fair, you're not even going to be able to wear it orange in the state of Alabama. To be fair, to be fair. AM beat Bama two years ago. And last year, Jimbo gave the play to Alabama, so they lost. <laughs> Did you remember that? The, uh, he said it too loud, right? Like some yeah, of the yeah, Alabama yeah. The, players the, heard it. Yeah, the defender said that he called out the receiver or something. like So they knew where the ball was going to go. And they were just at the two. So, you know what I mean? That would have been something if Jimbo would have beat Nick Saban two years in a row. But now I'm interested because, like, you know, we talked about it. You know, he's got Bobby Petrino over there now. So so when they play Bama this year, back in College Station, where my baby going to be going to college, they so, 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 they, so I'm going to try to be up in there. But the point being is that this game is going to be epic either way because either Jimbo – and Petrino going to put something together and beat Saban, or that's going to be the game where Saban, uh, Fisher and Petrino explode. You know, if somebody getting gone, fired. and people this town ain't gone. big enough for the both of us. People, are, <laughs> and that's what happens. That's what happens prematurely. People can't stay the course, lose their job because it's like, listen, instead of being like, you know what, we get it. Can't this guy can't course. coach forever. But it's like, nope. You out of here. Well, right now, uh, office coordinator out of, you know, Western Michigan, he's going to come down here and and change his now. Well, at the end of uh, last season, Jimbo's buyout was 85 million. So, you know, so, (laughs) so get your oil money together. You know, I think it drops down. I think it drops down to about 78 this year. You know, somebody got a check ready. You know what I mean? So, like, hey, there's a corp, there's four corporations right now that got a check ready. Like, listen, I play in. Let A and M go five and seven again. Let them go five and seven again. Let them lose to Miami. Let them lose to Miami, and we gonna hear them. We gonna hear them. You know what I mean? Especially they beat Miami last year. They lose to Miami, and you gonna hear all kinds of talk until they play Bama, and it's either a three point win or three point loss. They gonna buy in again until they lose to somebody like Mississippi State or something, and then. Everybody's going to go like, yo, get this dude out of here right now. Like, like, do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. We're giving they're giving them enough money, enough nil money, enough contracts, enough chargers. And Just signed the number one recruiting Durango's. class two years ago. You know these guys are what is it? 
coming of age. I done came up, <laughs> put my life on the line. On the line. You know what I'm saying? It's time. You know it's what I'm time, saying? time to deliver. But like I said, it, it's a tough conference, and they only added tougher teams. So it's going to be a gauntlet. I mean, you know, iron sharp right. and iron. But it's going to yeah. be a gauntlet. You, you, you're going to have to either understand, like, hey, we don't, we have a team that can win this conference, or we don't. I got to get to that A&M Texas game next year, wherever it's at. I don't know if it's in Austin or College Station yet, but but I'm trying to be up in there. So you get a lot of good college football. See, when I get up here, I, I get a lot of good NFL matchups. I got a lot of good NFL matchups. It's Philly's right there. East Rutherford's not that far. So Jets or Giants game is pretty much every week. Tickets are, tickets are reasonable. Come and on. If you I got to run out of Baltimore – you got Rutgers and Penn State. Penn State is far. Penn State's <laughs> six, seven hours west. It's near Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm, if I'm going that far, I'm just going to go to Ohio State because it's pretty much the same because you got to go up like now. Yeah, yeah, they play pretty early this year too, you know. So, like, you know, like speaking of which, you know, real quick since you brought it up, we'll look at Rutgers' schedule real quick before we get out of here. You know what I'm saying? Let's find you a game. People you love it. I see so many people like Iowa played here last year. Is everyone's walking around wearing Iowa gear? Yeah. Let's see. Let's find you a game to go to this year. You know what I mean? Like we got to get you into Rutgers. You know what I'm saying? That's so sad. I type in Rutgers football schedule and like the basketball schedule came up. Like nobody respects Rutgers. You know what I'm saying? So let's see. They got Northwestern. They go at home. Yeah, they go home games. They they got Temple. They, oh, how about this one? Virginia Tech. There you go. September 16th. Rutgers and Virginia Tech. That's interesting. I look at that. They go to Michigan. They play Wagner. Go to Wisconsin. They got Sparty coming up on October 14th. Go to Indiana. And this is the one. They got the Buckeyes coming in on November 4th. That ticket is going to be ridiculous. Then they go to Iowa, go to Penn State, then they close out at home against the Terps. So there you November go. November 4th. Let me check my schedule. I might have to. Oh, money might. <laughs> Let me check my Palm Pilot. <laughs> see, see, see how that goes. That might, that might be interesting. That might be a game to watch. Yeah, that might be it. But, folks, we are Sports Reports is ordered. He is the one and only Mr. Logical. Yeah. I am. Just regular 2-5, regular <laughs> Joe. You know, we love you. We appreciate you. Thanks for all the support. You know, keep following, keep liking, keep subscribing, word of mouth, Follow all that good Facebook stuff. Page, share it to anybody you know. You know, all that. You know what I'm saying? Send it to your grandma, send it to your grandpa, send it to your co-workers, everybody. Everybody, you know what I'm saying? Send Take it to people. Send it to people with a black man fetish. Whatever you got to do. You know what <laughs> what people you like, people you don't you know what like. Saying? Whatever you got to do. We appreciate it all. Like, review, subscribe because it's free. And you know what else is free? The love that we have for you. And we're out.